I would assume I'm not the only one out there who's been through a hard deconstruction of faith. You and I were on a journey to literally figure out how to deconstruct our faith. I had not said, I am not an Adventist, I am not a Christian, but I did that day. When you lose that, it's violent. It can be I mean, violent. just like pull a skeleton out of a human and like, there you are, you're on the floor. We aspire to become awakened beings, to live in harmony with the truth of life. From Vast Noodle Media, I'm Trent Bell. This is Knowing and Believing, a podcast about how we believe. Welcome to episode number three. This is my good friend, Caleb Johnson. Oh, Trent, it's so good to be here right Mm, now. So good. (laughs) Episode number one was basically me talking about my process of deconstruction. Episode number two was Amber. I'll have to listen to that one, Trent. Talking about um, her process of living with someone going through deconstruction while she was not, and of very firm and literal, what I would call conservative literal faith, and how we're You two seem so civil. It's just a podcast, Rouge. Right. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I'm Rouge. like, wow, those are civil, Rouge. intelligent Rouge. people. Rouge. Rouge is the... If you can make me sound as intelligent, that would be great. Yeah, it's your own fault. You're, mm. you're, it's on you, man. Okay. So our background, we've known each other since high school, giving each other wedgies, stuff like that, and then mm-hmm. college and... Yep. Went into business partnership together, then wanted we did to that. kill each other for a while, and then decided mm. it's nice being friends. So we went back to that, mm. didn't do business. Now we still do business together, but it's on our own terms, which is nice. We so do business. We do business. <laughs> business. Both of us had the same religion growing up, and both had fathers that were pastors in the same religion, Seventh Adventism, and both were. I guess everyone that knew us through high school would have said we were both extremely spiritual, adherent people to that faith, I would think. I think so. Yep. And that's... uh, People were like, Trent, where are you going with this? And people were like, Caleb, relax. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) And we have both uh, gone through a process of deconstruction pretty uh equally or Mm. similarly over the last eight years i would say now probably yeah and it's probably not coincidental that it's uh no i yeah absolutely it um, bodies influence bodies yeah Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i don't like how that sounds do you want to explore that some more trent no i I, i'm good we're alone in a Studio. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Hilarious. So, yeah, both of us were highly involved in the local church where we lived, and I was a fence rider uh, through pretty much everything. You might be exaggerating to say you were highly involved. For me, it was highly involved. That's accurate. Yeah, Yeah, for my personality. But it came to a point where um, both of us eventually uh openly were questioning and stepping back yeah before we were we were we were in our religion we had these enjoyable things called sabbath school where we would have 
open discussions about spiritual matters. And, and I always appreciated those. Yep, was... I still, I, I kind of miss them because it's a good opportunity to discuss. But you and I, I remember in at least the last year, if not years, were kind of holding back our real opinions as to not unsettle people too much, even though we were saying unsettling things within that religion, such as right, not so sure that, that uh, the world was really created in six days, but we can kind of go with that for now. Let's, let's tread lightly. And not let's tread lightly. So it was, it, was, uh, it was happening while we were still active. It, it was happening while we were in that religion, in that church, and we, I remember we eventually, like, we got to do a separate Sabbath school where we can actually get to an idea of, like, what are the steps that we can take before we even get to the Bible, like before you decide right. there's a God. If we were a Martian and knew nothing and just stepped into this existence, yep. and here's all these people believing this, how do we get from not knowing anything? Because our religion started with knowing everything, and it started with it started after that step. And I think both you and I were like, wait a minute, like we're not even comfortable where we're at because. There's it's, a foundation it's, it's here. Every, it's the foundation that starts before these discussions start with that are giving us problems. So we're starting from a spot that we're not even comfortable with. So we have to go back a little bit. Yeah, I think it was uh, from, from as, as I've listened to more people talk about this, it seems like that was a process of us both trying to take the nut step of maturity and belief and that's really right. condescending to people that have not taken this and it offends them to say that we but had, yeah. that's what I have heard from other people is that there's a generally this happens a lot sooner in a per person's life but I think if you're within a very uh, literal uh, culturally strong religion it prevents you from going through that maturation process right and I think that was generally our process of saying we really need to uh, step back. try and get to the bottom of this bit of it. I remember you and I having conversations with people, family and friends, where we were kind of just like, you know, slapping our foreheads because it would be, well, we'd ask a question. And they'd be like, well, the Bible says that. And there was God. No, God what about the Bible? God believe God. This is what God says you need to do. So that's what you need to do. And we're like, yeah, but you're, we're, we're questioning the very foundation of that. And isn't that healthy? And they're like, no, the Bible says that it, I believe I, the Bible. I believe in God. And here's why. And we're like, yeah, but, and, and we, and we both just kind of like, okay, well, let's just not have this conversation because we're not in the same place. Well, yeah, I remember those conversations and, and for me, it wasn't as much. I was getting the response of no, it's not good to go there as much as in some instances, a look of confusion yeah, like, of why you can't go before the Bible. Right. You can't think before the Bible or before God. Right. You can't come from the logic of just, I think, therefore I am. Now, can I get to a point of believing that there's an outside consciousness intelligence that has a plan for us? How do I get from here to right. there? And that was a conversation that just wasn't very well... Uh, Nobody knew how Help. to have it with us, yeah, where we not. were coming from, and then and then. But what's interesting about that is, like, if you and I are starting from from the the way back prior to prior to the Bible, prior to the you know monotheistic 
religion that started with Abraham and then turned into many different sects. If um, where we're both starting from now, like, okay, well, if there's a lot of uh, if there's a lot of merit and reason that we would end up back in Christianity or something like that, what's interesting is neither you and I or I are like opposed to that. We're just like, well, we're not there. Just not. I'm not there. there. Yeah, I'm not. I feel like if, from what I know of all the religions, they they, I'm I'm more of a agnostic pluralism kind of point. Yeah, me too. And I feel it would be nobody knows what you just said, but me too. <laughs> I feel it would be odd for me to simply choose a religion because it wasn't the religion I had before. Because I find no added merit in any other religion at this point which is why i had a problem like when we were growing up all of our friends you to a degree like rebel i'm like well why am i going to rebel because that's what i'm supposed to do and because that's what everybody else you know it's like i i couldn't find reason to rebel when i was younger and so like you're saying now it's like it's not enough reason um just because you're you're having a problem here, you're not going to go choose another religion just because Adventism or Christianity didn't work out. Like, I hear I hear what you're saying. It's nuanced, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, to for I feel like if I were to become Buddhist, it would be more of a this has less cultural baggage for me, so I'm going to choose that. And to right. me, that's not enough merit to go somewhere. And maybe maybe I'll come to a point where something else does have a lot more merit, and maybe I get there. But right now, I don't see that. But Well, yeah. I think it's very interesting on the path we're on. We, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I think it, it goes both for both of us. Like, we were born basically having to be adherents to a very specific sect of Christianity. Emotionally, culturally, family reinforced all the way through. We, we have some baggage that goes along with that. And like both you and I are, are kind of like just enjoying the space and being like, I, don't, I have absolutely no desire or need to associate myself with any systemized uh, belief. I'm interested in them all. I'm interested in looking at them all where I could see some people who came from a background where they did not, were not associated with a system of belief. They could be in the same spot we are and be like, let me try out Buddhism. I want some community or something. something. And right now I'm like, so you and I were, don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, You and I were on such an extreme where, where the, the, the culture we were involved with was so all pervasive that we're like all set and I might be all set for life. That's the way I feel right now. And I think that's probably okay. Um, and, but somebody else might be like, I want to experience that, but they may have the same system of beliefs that we have and just be like, well, I want to experience the community and the culture. I haven't. And I, and I'm kind of craving it or I want to check it out. I've heard, uh, surveys or research. I'm not sure I'd have to get the specifics on this, but they say that uh, kids that are raised in very uh, atheistic homes tend in later life to go far more towards these very regimented legalistic religions. Yeah. It's a human reaction. Yeah. And somewhere in there, there's some truth beyond that we're all struggling towards, but we just don't have a clear picture on at all whatsoever. Well, it's interesting because you think about it, uh, 
you could say the pendulum swings, right? Absolutely. It's like but going the, like Republican and then they swing Democrat. But and then the pendulum just, pendulum just keeps swinging. And uh, maybe that's just the way things are. And that's okay that the pendulum keeps swinging because it passes through the middle every time. Yeah. You know, it yeah. keeps things active. I, you know, I believe all things are related. I think of, I think of like, I think of like the economy. It's, you want motion, you want money to keep moving. So maybe that's, maybe that's the way we kind of, uh, maybe that's the way we kind of find our way to the truth is the pendulum just keeps swinging and passing through all these different areas. And, and while it's swinging, we as humanity and culture are finding more and more truth, you know? So a pendulum we just has accept a it. point beyond it that it pivots on, and you'd consider that kind of to be truth maybe, mm. but you could also look at it as kind of like a Coke machine. It's dipping. <laughs> and eventually I don't it may it go a little way. too far and go right over Probably on the face. we ought to drop that analogy. It's yeah, you can't take an analogy to the nth, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. So the the interesting thing for me and the, you know, sadly uh tragic thing is that our experiences of deconstruction have been uh drastically different with different end results. And I don't completely understand why. Um, I think you and I have inklings of, of, of why that is. Um, but walk me through in story form. It, it seems like the initial things of deconstruction for you started around uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, reading that book, yeah, and well, why. We can, I think we can start there. I think, um, you know, very famous author John Krakauer, he started with a wonderful book, um, Into the Wild, and so I've just read everything he's written, and one of the books was about a, uh, about a very, um, conservative, um, out there sect of Mormonism, not a healthy sect, and, and Mormons even distance themselves from it. Right. And so he wrote a book about uh, a family that ended up being a violent family within that, but he had to kind of dive into the Mormon culture and religion. Um, he, took, he, he looked at a very extreme portion of it, but sometimes when you look at an extreme, it helps you to, you know, get into the more, um, you know, more mainstream issues as well so it was a look it was a hard look at the mormon culture that book right. was and never mind all the violence associated with it and the weird you know um having multiple wives and all of that just the look at mormonism started to to a degree kind of take my my breath away and be like whoa 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 wait a minute this culture and let's leave the leave the religion entirely out of it because there's not a lot of similarity between, as far as I can see, between the the Seventh Day Adventist doctrine and the Mormon doctrine. They're entirely separate. Not drawing any type of parallels there. But the culture, I was like, yeah, this sounds it's a little creepy how similar Adventism right. and Mormonism right. are on surface cultural right. levels. And I'm talking mainstream Adventism and mainstream Mormonism. Right. I'm not right. I'm not talking about the that extreme sect. FLDS. F that, 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 right. that's I'm not trying to make any parallels there, but you do have like 
the a similar type sex in Seventh Day Adventism that leaves and they've got nothing yeah. to do with the mainstream shepherd's rod type Shep- stuff. Yeah, and... like okay, so probably any mainstream sect has these unhealthy offshoots. So when I was looking at Mormonism, this was like a real kind of mirror to me that I could have a perspective and be looking from the outside. Right. And it it helped me to be like, well, a couple big kind of thought experience thought experiments came to mind. Like, why am I an Adventist? Why are these people that, that uh this book is written about Mormons? And there was very clear answer. One and only one answer. Right. Right? I was born into it. Right. That's how I became a Seventh-day Adventist, because my parents were. And you were reinforced by the relative logic of truth and existence within that sphere. There, within that sphere of relative understanding of Adventism, mm. there's an answer, a, a logical answer, according to that relative existence for everything. Well, I, right. And so... I didn't, as a as a kid, and as a young man, I didn't I didn't leave it because there's a uh, a religion evolves just like biology evolves, and it evolves to to have answers to hard questions, yeah. and it evolves to have systems that protect it. The system of religion I was born into over a century or more, more than a century, right. evolved very intelligent answers to hard questions. Like, and if you are in it and all of your friends, your relatives, all of your education, all of your healthcare, if everything, right. every, if everything around you um, enforces those answers to those hard questions, then... It, t- it takes a really big push to um, go seek other answers, go seek other questions, unless you're just rebellious by nature and like, I don't need this, but that wasn't me. Right, I was looking no. for hard, I was looking for answers and, and looking to do the right thing since I can remember. I was right. not looking... Answers, meaning, and purpose. And when you find your purpose you go with it a hundred percent. And I was handed my purpose when I was a kid. And that purpose was, you know, go and make as many Seventh-day Adventists as you can. Um, Always made me extremely uncomfortable. Mm. Never, to my knowledge, made a single (laughs) convert in my life. I feel good about that. But um, the, the, the point is, is like I wasn't, I wasn't dragged along. I was. I, I think I was um, continually reinforced within the system. Continually reinforced within the system, and I didn't find. And there was good enough answers that got me into my thirties. Yeah, and if you stay within that relative system, it makes sense within that sphere of right. understanding si- and culture. The science has apologetics that make sense to a twenty-year-old who's not a scientist. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. The uh the religion itself has a whole series of of enforcements by theologists and philosophers and all sorts of people that that enforce the idea of, of Christianity and 
and Seventh-day Adventism. So there's a lot of great answers because it's a, where, where we grew up, just like the Mormons, there's 15, 18 million people worldwide, highly intelligent people, highly educated people. There's great answers. So what, what reading this book about Mormonism did is I was raised in a different sect, and I read about the Mormon religion, which I had at the time, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going over to join that. I wasn't born into it. To me, on the outside, it smells. That's, that's crazy at its foundation from the outside. From but the outside. Like, if I'm over there looking at me, do they see me as crazy? Right, and I think they do. That's why there's yeah. 15 million Mormons and 15 million Mormons. And we're Adventists. talking the, the mainstream Mormons. Like they, the mainstream, really great Mormons. We're not talking Mormons. FLDS, like the, the great, wonderful, These normal are surgeons. Mormon people. These are business people. And the normal Adventists that are liberal and everything else are like, well, you guys are crazy. Amazing people. They're like, you're crazy at your foundation. Oh, wait, maybe we're both kind of a little off. Or maybe we're not, and we're both a little right, and that's okay. I don't know. Okay, well, let me get through this. So that's just it. That's what the, the Mormon church did this for me. I see clearly that there is nothing in the theology or the culture of Mormonism that draws me in. The culture? I mean, if you look at the Let me just get through this. Okay. There's nothing that draws me in. I am not going to become a Mormon. Mm -hmm. Okay? Why are all, why are 17 million people over there Mormon? I see there's a lot of very, I see number one, there's a ton of people born into it and they stick with it for the same reasons I stuck with it. Number two, another thing that I saw happen is there's this big outreach and that outreach tends towards very disadvantaged people. Under-resourced. Under-resourced people where, where the overall culture and the overall message is a breath of fresh air. It really feels good because it gives them a boost, it gives them structure, it gives them hope, it gives them something to believe in. So a lot of Mormon converts happen because it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful culture with a lot to offer. Same thing with Adventism. Wonderful culture, a lot of things to offer. Great medical, great education, great you know, um, message about the way humans should relate to humans, great message about, you know, how you should take care of your body, all these wonderful things to disadvantaged people. That this feels is great. great. Let's, let's and jump it on is board great. with that pattern of behavior because can, it has good results. And it does. But then you look at highly educated people, they're not signing up in the same numbers. They're rarely signing up. And then in my own experience, when I did watch highly educated people come into the Adventist system, they didn't tend to last that long. Two, three, four years. So let's not go down or, there. We're trying to tell a story here. <laughs> the, story is, more, the story is that Mormonism gave me an outside perspective on my own life. Right. Leaving theology out of it, the culture and the circumstances by which I became an Adventist I saw in the mirror, and I'm like, I, I made the connection that if I was born a Mormon, you'd be I, towing that up the hill. I would be a towing Mormonism up the hill. Right. That is why I'm an Adventist. That's the first thing that happened to me, right? And so that started me down a path that really hit me between the eyes. I mean, it was like, it was, it, it shook me. And I don't know 
It was interesting to hear. I spoke to a close friend, and she said, oh, yeah, I remember when you read that book. That was really hard on you. I figured I was just all alone in my little, like, world of, of doubt and confusion as a result of reading this book. But apparently I said to, to one of my close friends, then she remembers it. So that started, I think that was, even though it's all probably a very gradual process, for me that was the start of it. And then, like, you, you know, you mentioned... I visited a natural history museum in Hawaii and I'm like, you know, just looking at the, just looking at the displays and, and using my own common move. sense. Like, I'm like, hmm. I can't, this, this six day creation, the world's 6,000 years old. I'd had doubts about that for a long time. Um, you know, just, just based on a whole different thing, a whole, a whole series of things from the very documented 5,000 year history of Egyptians. And we say the earth is only 1,000 years older you know the Roman culture history. is far closer to us in time than the Egyptian culture? That's crazy. That's interesting to think about. Or the foundation of the dish. That's crazy. So all these things started to happen to me, um, but, but primarily there was a couple of things that, that, that uh, really, really started me down a path of questioning. Um, that the, the Mormon church as a mirror to our own, mm -hmm. um, the discomfort I had with the idea of a young earth as it relates to the thousands and millions of, of, of thinkers and scientists out there who just can't get there. And I couldn't get there logically. I couldn't get there. There was all sorts of problems where I just couldn't get behind this idea of, of six literal days of creation and 6,000 years. Right. And so if we, get into the, if we get into the story of the deconstruction for me, um, all this stuff is all this stuff is making me uncomfortable with what I'm teaching my children and what I'm what I'm trying to adhere to in our church community, and um, I found myself having to speak about, you know, when I was speaking at church or teaching, I had I found myself having to be gentle in what I said about my doubts, mm. and then just focus on things that event that that kind of left religion behind and we're just dealing with social issues. Yeah. And I'll always remember, you and I have talked about it, the last sermon I ever preached was basically like all the social rules around Christianity are really great. And so if there's no other reason to be Christian, it's I'll be a Christian just because, you know, treating others as I would, ha as I would be treated is enough. Right. In the end, it wasn't enough to keep me there um, because I have three children and I can't, I can't, I couldn't teach them that the earth, the earth is 6,000 years old and that evolution is a bunch of bunk. And, and then a second major issue was I could not be involved in a organization that systematically discriminated against homosexuals. Right. And and those two things were the major reasons um these are that major I left, issues left the that i keep hearing over and over again with most people that are going that are having really? to deal with this and it's a yeah. it's it's it really is just a, a cognitive dissonance moment where people get to know people eventually that are gay and they're like man you so 
you didn't just like get really perverted and choose this lifestyle. No, which I is was what we were raised born, to believe yeah, that it was. Yeah, they're they're just like no. I was born this way, yeah. and just as you started to notice girls at puberty, I started to notice boys or girls. Depending yeah, on the it just situation. didn't make sense. The the positions no longer made sense to me, and I started to and I and once again just kind of like thought experiment experiments. I fast forwarded a hundred years, and I'm like, the treatment we are now putting on homosexuals. We're going to look back on that and think we were as ignorant as when we treated women that way. Yeah. And fast forward, we're going to look back on that and think, uh, think of it, think of us right now as ignorant as we think of people who kept slaves. Yeah. That's definitely going to happen. I would, I would bet my assets on that all day long that eventually society and even these conservative um, religions will be like, yeah, we can't, we can't continue to systematically discriminate against people who are born right. homosexual. There's nothing the matter with it. It's just is what it is. So these things, those two things, I would say, were the major things. And interestingly, what happened, which is a bit discouraging, is interest, as I started to talk about these things, people didn't necessarily give me a hard time. They're all good people in the, in the church I came from. That, that's what's interesting. There's no, I, don't, I don't know a single, single bad person. I don't know anybody who tried to do anything wrong. I don't believe anybody in the history of the religion I came from tried to do anything wrong any more than, any more than anybody else in any religion or politics or anything did. It just, right. it just kind of happens for many reasons, which are probably beyond the scope of the story we're trying to tell about my personal deconstruction. So, but the, the, the story is is what started to happen was as I as I came along closer and you know farther and farther away from the church until um until theologically and philosophically philosophically yourself. and then started stopped going to church and then um pulled the kids out of church related schools um as as I started doing this then I started um you know in the religion you and I grew up with, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you know, you have sex with one person your entire life unless you can... And only after marriage. And only after marriage. And, and, um, and you know, of course, you can get a divorce and have a sex with whatever. You know, I'm just saying, like, there's all these very strict rules. So as I started to drink, for instance, all of a sudden people are like, you left the church so you could drink. And I'm like, pulling my hair out. Like, no, no, actually I didn't. And, and oh, by the way, there's you know, probably at least half, if not three quarters of the world who have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yes, alcohol is dangerous. Yes, sex in a bad situation is dangerous, you know, all of these types of things. But but people in that culture had, a lot of them had such a closed mind to think, he just wants to go party. Right, like, so you're, you're doing this for the, the, the side benefits of just, you, you just want to go have fun. Which That's is, why you're doing this. Which was a bit discouraging because you know me. Yeah, I, that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, it's, it's more like a search for what's real. And for me, what happened was what and this is this is where it gets this is where it gets very painful. And, you know, the deconstruction process becomes so dangerous um, when in a conservative faith such as Seventh-day Adventism, and I guarantee you Mormonism, I know Mormonism, yeah. and, and other such religions. There's you know, plenty of religions out there that are similar. 
when it is so all-pervasive from the time you're born, especially in your yeah. life, where all your friends, all your, every, everything about your life is intended to revolve around God as that religion sees it and the church community right. to the point where it is literally taught you should be willing to give up your family you should be willing to give up all your assets. You should be willing to give up absolutely everything for your devotion to your church and God. Right. That's the way I was raised, not necessarily by my parents, but by the religion that, that the I inherited. Is strongly reinforced throughout everything you, you experience through school, your right. community. You, will, you, will you don't give know up, people outside you will of give that up, community generally. Yeah, the heroes are the martyrs. Yeah. Okay? So you will give up everything for your belief in the veracity of your religion and your god and, and this is the same in islam as right. well it's and just then, a more extreme it's the same in many so so then you take a personality that i have come to understand that i have which is all or nothing i you know i don't i think that's too black and white but i think like if i'm gonna do something you're gonna do it i all really the way. i really want to do it yeah, anyone and, who knows you knows that. And so it's not, it's not that, um, it's not that I like carry around that like a banner or something, and it's not that that was put in me. I think that there's just, you know, I don't know if 25% of people out there are that way, but that's the way I am. And so I was all in, and not necessarily by choice. I was all in by circumstance and because. That's the personality, the set of genes I was born with. Right. So then, as I start to discover that, wait a minute, I knew in the back of my mind all along that I had a problem with belief. And I think if we, if we went back and we talked to people who knew my kind of spiritual journey, if you will, I would no longer say that, but they would, they would tell you, I remember we had a uh, we had a really wonderful pastor when we first came here to Maine. His name was Rick Kuntz, and I would always confess to him like I, you know, he'd be like, "Oh, Caleb, you're so great for the church, and you're doing such great work and everything." And I'd be like, "Yeah, but I really don't believe. Isn't that a problem?" <laughs> and he'd be like, "Oh, everybody's that way." And I, but you know, like I but didn't. That's I, true, right? And and he like I talked with him at um, Josiah's wedding. And like I, I, I had to like hold back tears just talking to this guy. He's the most guy. pure uh, example of a guy just loving everyone around him. And right. and and he casts off a lot of like the Adventist culture and stuff as just kind of like yeah. whatever. Yeah, but you know but what's really important here? Yeah, he totally believes. And that that's interesting to me. Like I keep coming back to this idea of well, why not just switch out? the words God and love. Because the Bible, if you're approaching it mathematically, just take God and put it there with all the baggage you're sure. and just put in the word love and go forward to go. with that. Yeah. Like, what would love do in this situation? What's mm. love want us to do? That right. works for me. But anyways, you... So, uh, yeah, I think the, the point is that I was getting to is that in, the, uh, in this conservative Christian religion that I was born into with a personality I have, everything about my life was welded mm. to that framework of yeah, religion. If it was bolted, it had Loctite on it too. 
it was stuck and yep. and reinforced by your personality reinforced by my personality and that's not that's neither good nor bad that just is yeah okay and then you know the religion is neither good nor bad it just is but those two things came together and i was welded and expected to be and taught that I, that's the way i was supposed to be to this religion to this system of belief i was supposed to be able to give up my life my children my parents all for the cause mm. it's that and so just the depth to which that religion is supposed to be all encompassing we don't have to go into all that just know that a religion like that teaches you that if you're not willing to give up everything including your children and your parents and everything that is most important for the cause then you are not right um, in my story, with that culture behind us, everything about my life is is built around this system of belief. They're all welded together so, very tightly. So over the course of, I'm going to say, a, a very solid six, eight years, I am just, I am emotionally and in my heart and in my belief systems like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Right. And so eventually I'm stepped far enough away from it, but where I'm not attending uh, church I'm, and I'm and I'm, you know, people know that there's something up, but I'm still not like. I'm still not like I'm done. Right. I'm not a I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. I haven't made that um, because it's so it's so it's so all consuming. So when I do get to that point um, where I'm stepping away, um, when, when I start pulling away the framework that my behavior, my system of beliefs are attached to, um, you find that you have to rebuild a framework. And for a time which I think I'm just kind of coming out of, for a time, you are, um, I, don't, I don't have a better way of saying it, but you, you're, your life is just without a structure. It's demolished. Be because I was raised stuck on this very specific structure, which literally says we know how the world began, we know how the world ends, and we know exactly how you're supposed to behave between those two points. Mm. There's no ambiguity, right. or at least very little, right? So um, when I pull that out, and I'm like, well, I can't do that anymore for the reasons I've already talked about, then, then for me, I'm, I'm left out there not really understanding exactly how I should relate to the world, exactly how I should relate to ethics and morality, not really sure um, how, to, how to handle my family, how to handle my weekends, how to handle, you know, everything. You're just, you're just kind of floating free. And then you add on top of that, I had a real, I think, disappointment and anger that I had spent so much time dedicated to an idea, not as a choice of my own, mm. um, but dedicated to an idea that I could no longer say 
um, that I could stand behind. So right. I felt like I had wasted a lot of time. I felt like I had wasted a lot of resources. I felt, I felt very similar to maybe the way a kid feels when you're like, yeah, actually we're just kidding about that Santa Claus thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no. I guess it's, that's not a great analogy because it's everybody... It's a scalable analogy. It's a scalable, but it, it's not that. Nobody tried to do me wrong, and I don't believe anybody did me wrong. I believe my parents did a great job. I believe they, they believe in something that really works for them, and that's great. Um, but I had an anger about it, and, and that, that's difficult. I just had to go through it, and yeah. I'm still going through it. So... Um, when you when you pull out of such a religion, I think it's a really tentative, difficult moment. And I don't know that I could have done it any better because of who I am. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a really interesting thing that I'm just coming to now. Like I don't think, I don't think I could have gently got out of it. You think this was just in the cards for you? That's just I do. Kind of what it was. I I think that's true. And I don't know if I believe in you know, destiny and things are meant to be or not. I can't really tell. Mm. It seems like things do kind of all, you know, work towards an end. I don't know. Um, It seems we do have the ability to, it seems, you know, related to the way time really works and that it's not linear. It seems like there's some type of interesting idea of uh, things are meant to be in there. I can't comment on that. I don't know what I believe about that. But what I can say is I think there's a lot of people, different personalities, different circumstances that could get out of all pervasive religion in a, in a gentler way than I did. In a I more did. graceful manner. In a more graceful manner. But, uh, but I, don't, I just don't know if I would have made it out that way. So, geez, almost three years ago now, we went across the country in... Uh, in a little van filming our process of deconstruction for a documentary film that will Great. be forthcoming some decade. We'll see. Sure. Um, and a very extremely pivotal, pivotal moment for you was talking to Rick, the Mormon, a Mormon scholar in yep. Salt Lake City. It's a City. real bookend. I'm, and, it's, and it's interesting that way. And I think it's because of this powerful concept of being able to look at yourself from outside yourself and from your, and like, initiation into deconstruction being coming from a Mormon perspective. I came away from the interview with this guy, Rick is like, wow, he's got some really great insight. I'd never believe in the same way as him or the same foundational things as him, but he has a great approach and this, that, and the other, you came away from it. Um, done like your demeanor, like all of us, we came out of that thing and I was kind of like, yeah, that was really insightful. And I turned around and, and you were like deadpan and we had been doing these social media updates and I was like, all right, let's do another one right mm. after this. And you were like, no, I'm not doing that. I've, you started coming up with these reasons and now I realize what was happening at the time. I was just kind of like, what the hell's going on? Mm. I, this, this is odd. And you were, you were closed off and you're like, I'm going to go do some work. You, we, I, you know, it was a long we trip did an at interview. that point. Yeah, we did an interview. It was the last one, and you were kind of in the background with your arms crossed, just like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine, but I, I understand now. We, we connected with you later that evening, and you were having like a ceremonial beer and like ham sandwich as a kind of like... That's true. And you were in a moment then of like, woo, 
And you were like, all of a sudden, I was like, huh, all right, you know. And I, I still wasn't catching on to what was going on. And then the next day, we're leaving and we're in Wyoming somewhere, I think. Right. And I lose you in the Walmart somewhere. You've got sunglasses on. And unbeknownst to me, you're wandering around Walmart having basically an emotional breakdown. I, I knew nothing of it. You didn't tell any of us. What an emotional release. Not a emotional breakdown. release. Yeah. But it, it's interesting for me to come to a point of Yeah, I was weeping in the aisles of, uh, of Walmart. Because of the loss of that culture and that belief. Yeah, but like walk me through that moment. Because it's interesting to me. I'm learning things, but not understanding them until my emotions catch up with my knowledge. It's weird. I don't understand that. I don't understand that either. That's beyond me. I'm an architect. But, the, but walk uh, me through that Walmart moment. What was going well, on? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it's this that the, the, the Mormon church for me wa- allowed me to look at what was going on with me since the time I was born to, to manhood um, as an outsider. And it allowed me to find my way out of that... Uh, out of that same system. And so when it started, you know, it's all gradual, but the, there's a markable point when it started when I read John Krakauer's book, and then there's a definitive end when we interviewed a Mormon who was our age with children, yeah. also went through a deconstruction-ish moment. Successful, he came to a, a su- start of a deconstruction. Yeah, I'll talk about like, that. Nope. And, he, uh, and he's basically me sitting there. And, and, and I'm able to just sit there and ask me questions because he was a responsible guy, um, doing everything he could to do right by his God, his family, his religion, his community, um, successful career, successful, uh, successful family man, successful in his church. And so I'm sitting there, I'm maybe exaggerating here a bit, but this is the way it really turned out. I'm sitting there, sitting there with the opportunity to interview me. Right. And he came to a moment when he was holding a... Uh, one hold, of his kids. One of his first kids, or a kid. And he, he was challenged by, since I have some questions about Mormonism, and I think, I think that's understating it. I think he was really struggling with being a Mormon. Um, shall I raise this child as a Mormon because I'm not so sure myself. And he described to you and I both, he's like, my family's Mormon. My job is Mormon. My town is Mormon. Everything about me is Mormon. It would be devastating to leave that. I would, I would in essence be shunned. I would have to say goodbye to an entire He'd have to say goodbye to who he was. Right. And I saw that that's what I was doing by holding on so long. And when we, when we walked out, and, you know, it would be interesting. I haven't seen that video ever. But you were rolling, and we had a video. We were leaning against the van. And I'm like, I remember saying something very, uh, you know, unambiguous. Just, I'm done. Mm. I remember, I think you're, someone had commented on that video later that, uh, 
yeah, why does Caleb seem so dark there? And I mean, even the pictures that Joel got of after the interview, you, mm. your demeanor just looks like, yeah, the, the, the safe just dropped on, you know, the anvil just dropped on you. Yeah. And it, what you and I, that is what happened. You and I were on a journey to literally figure out how to deconstruct our faith. Yeah, and, we so, to, and it started many years ago, but I had not said, I am not an Adventist. I am not a Christian. I, I'm done. Right. But I did that day. And then, you know, we're, we're wandering through Wyoming and I'm in a Walmart dealing with, dealing with so many issues that are a result of all that are entangled in all of this. And, uh, and, you know, just walking through Walmart, it's the, I've got nothing against Adventism. I have nothing against Adventists. There, you know, some of you are my best friends are still I have Adventists. Some stuff against Adventism for the same things I'd have against Mormonism or any other sure. literal religion. But that's but but I can understand that. I have issues yeah. with the politics in in the United States or the politics in Portland, Maine. But yeah. I got no problem with Portland. I got no problem with the United States necessarily. There's just issues in any in any yeah, okay. right. in any system. So that's what I'm saying. Like. Um, you know, some of our closest friends for the rest of our lives will probably be Adventists. Yeah. I got no problem with that. So, um, but what I felt when, whether it was a day later or whatever, when I was at Walmart was, was just the, the end and the loss of that part of my life, which as I described at the beginning of this interview, your life, my life, because I allowed it to be, mm. was welded to it. Right. It was every, every piece and part. I'm raised to believe that, that uh, God knows the exact number of hairs on my head and that um, every, everything that I'm going to do in my life, he knew about and is involved in. Like, but every... every it's it's just a huge it was a overwhelming loss and and for you that was a god and adventism one in the same moment yeah. yeah interesting yeah for me it it is just personality wise it's a very different thing well, i'm not saying i don't um believe in god but i think i think that's such a loaded word that people listening to me they you know take an yeah. hour to deconstruct what that what yeah. that means but i'm saying but at that moment they were in the same container and it was it yeah. was at least a moment of a car wreck yeah. and seeing if there's anything yeah. living afterwards and you know as well as i do adventism seventh adventism like many religions builds itself to itself as the only true religion yeah okay now you have a lot of intelligent people out there adventists and theologians who may by some odd strength, you know, listen to us here and be like, well, no, that's not what we really believe. But you and I know that that's what we're, this is the remnant church. It has the most truth, the most truth about the only true God in existence ever or ever will be. Right. And they are bearers of that truth to the very end. And, and they're the remnant people of what God started 6,000 years ago and then passed through the Jewish tradition onto the Christian tradition. Right. Right. So when so when you're saying, did I lose God and Adventism at the same time? 
that's that they are one in that in the way i was raised to believe to think about it so i think about god the concept of god very differently right now but i don't think that's for today's discussion um but i think the point is is when you go through this deconstruction you are losing if you come from a very conservative we know the end from the beginning and we know everything in between and we know exactly the way you should act in the in-between um when you lose that it's violent it can be i mean violent. just like pull the skeleton out of a human and like there you are you're on the floor yeah. you know i mean that's what it's like yeah and so it's like okay yeah. well there there's a there's a mess on the, on the on the aisle six of walmart why isn't he moving well that was me hmm. no skeleton the the deconstruction of the deconstruction of your faith has been uh, tumultuous and has arguably cost you your marriage. You think it, literally that, or just it's just part of it, or it's all one story. Yeah, that's the best I could say. And and is de- is the deconstruction? I would assume I'm not the only one out there who's been through a hard deconstruction of faith yeah um so but it's all one story it's all interrelated um if i was still an adventist would i be married Mm. i have no idea i guess i never will know yeah i mean knowing both of you it just it's just the path got so different than adventism that would be yeah um the, the next point for me after Rick the Mormon mm. that was significant for me um, that involves both you and I was like we had, man, maybe two Januarys ago, we went out to eat at the Japanese place up uh, mm. here in Biddeford. I remember. And uh, that was extremely significant for me because I'd, I'd shared this analogy with you before, like, our paths had been pretty much the same path for I don't know how long, right. you know, with, with different personalities, but same life experience and much of the same choices. And I had, you know, an incredible amount of admiration for you and looked up to you really in many ways as a leader and an example of what I wanted to be more like. And, and, and a lot of our friends would say that you were the guy that, was always, you know, this is what's right to do, then I do it. And that's just who you are. And I remember, you know, up to four or five years before we even went across the country and all that, we had hung out less just because, like, Amber's parents moved to town, and so we'd spend Friday nights with them a lot more. And Sure. It was just the common interactions were less. And then you guys started just having a different lifestyle when you take out, you know, Friday nights and church attendance on Saturday. All of a sudden, your Friday nights are free and you're not feeling like you need to be at home watching Bible movies or whatever. You're (laughs) out socializing. And so that's, you know, again, a different thing. And I remember when we were talking in the restaurant, like I felt like we were two ships kind of like sailing with an armada and then you and i were both like i don't know if this thing's going to the right place and then we started talking like well why don't we go over 
here and we'll trade spices and stuff. And I was right. like, you know, both of us were like, all right, we'll sail over there. And then we get to the islands to trade spices. And it was like, you got out and started raping and pillaging the islands. And I was like, wait, I thought we were here to trade spices. What's going on? <laughs> and in that moment in the restaurant, you shared with me just, you know, how different our lives had become. And for me, it, it oddly was kind of the floor falling out for me that it was a like, I can't follow you there. And there's this change of perspective and I'm, I am like on my own now. And that was emotionally, um, a very odd place for me to be in, but it was a, a process of maturity as well. Like, I think it's healthy. I know what you're saying. And, um, I think, you know, that's happened to me as well. It's happening to me where I'm like, I think we all need to get to the point where we understand our life, our beliefs. Ourselves. Ourselves. And I think that's what was happening for you and I. And it's and it's no disrespect to our parents or the system of belief we were raised in. It's just sometimes remark it's it's just my it's just the path I was on. And um yeah, I guess what I'm realizing now is there's really there's really no going back. What's surprising to me, I guess I guess I'm getting to the point where none of it is all that surprising to me. It's <laughs> it's just a path. Yeah. It's just it's just a reality. I didn't choose it. Um apparently I can influence it. Um but it's you know, I think uh I think what I'm what I'm coming to understand now is what what's crazy is there's so you know in Christianity there's so many wonderful like, like I think all the time like oh yeah well that, that's happening because I remember that verse in in Proverbs or something or like this would, this is the right way to treat somebody because this is the way I was taught like all of that all of that stuff is still there it's all part of me um, it's all real it's all good stuff. Um, but we're all, you and I are on, yeah, we're on two separate paths and we have to own them ourselves and not, um, not it, just accept it because that's what we were raised in or that's the right thing to do or um, because we're, we're too scared to step out of. Like that's my only criticism I'd have of Rick is that if, it. if you stay if you stay within Mormonism, he made a pragmatic decision, right? His life and his family, as long That's as fine. none of his daughters are gay, they're going to be good. So he made a pragmatic decision. Now the thing I would be critical, like in his decision or towards me, if I stayed in Adventism, would be your lending your support and your uh, ideology personally to something that is damaging to other people and damaging to further understanding arguably yeah, one for the way, human species. Yeah, one way to do it would be like I could have stayed and said I am I am a Christian and a Seventh day Adventist. I do not believe in a six thousand year old earth or a six day creation. I believe that that is a well written, you know, ancient myth designed to help us un 
to to talk about the issues, understand the origins. Yeah, just to just to have discussions, and there's some truth in it. And but in the end, it's a it's a poem, right? And uh, and it's not it's not the way it literally happened. I could have stayed in Avenus and and gone down that path, and then I could have stayed in Avenus and said, "I'm a Seventh Day Adventist and a Christian." And I believe that there's nothing the matter with homosexuality. Yeah, we need some gay ministers in here the because problem, they're underrepresented. The problem with that is I'd be swimming against the tide and going Constantly. and going against the very foundational belief of that religion. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't need to do that. And because it's clear that I am not one of them anymore. Right. In, in terms of, you know, we're all human. I got no problem with any of them, but I am not a believer anymore. So I'm not going to stay and do this. I made a somewhat odd realization a while ago that I left uh, a religion because I felt it was not morally where it needed to be. That's why I left. A, a I didn't leave so I could go drink. I left because I didn't I, I had ethical problems with systematic discrimination, and I and I had, you know, academic problems with with and ethical problems and moral problems with te- ha- teaching my kids and other people something that I didn't believe to be true. Right. That's why I left. End of it. You know. But it's a very painful experience, and the problem the problem is is that when when your whole um, when your whole life's being is connected to it, when you pull it out, you're really, you're in a precarious spot right there. Yeah, yeah. And it's, when, when I look at both of our deconstructions, uh, I, I being the fence rider and you being the guy that's putting the whole town on a sled and pulling it up where it needs to be. Like, I, I looked at the house I had and I was like, all right, I'm going to strip everything down to the studs and repair the foundation in a couple places Nicely and rebuild. Done. That's a great way to do it. Where you're like, I'd we're recommend going that. down to bedrock, the house right. is getting taken away, and we're rebuilding. And we might even go through the bedrock a bit. <laughs> That's right. just the different I wouldn't approach. recommend that, but I don't know. You wouldn't do it I any other way. I don't know that I could have made it out, and it's important to me. I know... And it might be hard for other people, you know, in my family to hear it, but it's important to me that I made it out. Yeah. Uh, where are you now spiritually? Yeah, I, I'm just really, really uh, open. And let me precede that with, after all this yeah. loss, pain, and, you know, disruption to your normal life, married yeah. life, personal life. Yeah surrounding all of this, maybe not directly caused by it, but, but why after all that? Are you not an ardent atheist? Yeah, I'm definitely not an ardent atheist. I'm, I don't even say I'm an atheist. You know, I think uh, I'm a guy on a search, I, and I'm not going to tell you I know what's right and what's not right, which is exactly the opposite place that I was before. So that could just be you know plain old human uh, nature working on me there. Um, but where I'm at spiritually is, um, I believe that there's likely dimensions about our world that we don't understand. As a matter of fact, it sounds silly for me even to say that that's a belief. There are, there are physicists that would, you know, they, they believe or they 
hypothesize mm. that there are multi-dimensional universes right. within themselves. So there you go. So um, I make no uh, statements to anybody that that I've got it figured out, and that this is the this is the way I think it is. I think that the religions that have made it for hundreds or thousands of years have some very good things in them. Therefore, humans keep them around. Right. And I think there's a lot to be learned from each of them. I think it's unlikely that the very rigid ideas about the spiritual beings behind them, God, are accurate in their details. I think they're I probably think... accurate in the spirit of them. I think probably if you look, the, the, the best way I can put it, and this sounds so Christian <laughs> that, it's, that it's a little bit eerie for me, but the best way I can, I can visualize my belief system right now is picture a community of people living inside a kind of foggy bubble. And there's certain things happening outside that foggy bubble that 99% of the people inside the bubble can't even see. But there's one person in that bubble who, can, who is noticing something going on out there. And over that person's lifetime, they can kind of make out some things that are predictable about that event or being outside of the, mur the murky bubble. And that person says, listen, I'm seeing something out there. Hence and the it, name of my new religion, and it, Murky Bubble. Okay, good. <laughs> Church and of so, Murky Bubble. And so, and so there, he's, this, this person is like, hey, you know, there's something going on out there. I don't fully understand it, but there, here's some predictable things about it. And here's what it's teaching me about what's going on in here. Number one, we're not alone, right? There's movement out there's there. There's movement out there. And number two, X, 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 X. I think that's what's going on with all the, the major religions. And none of these people are like most of them, I would say, are not lying and trying to manipulate and be awful people. They're just, they're looking at things, they're looking at, they're looking at things that seem to be true, and they're doing their best to pass those on to cultures or, or to the people around them because they're genuinely helpful and good things. And then if people are like, that's genuinely a helpful and good thing. I'm going to do it like you're doing it. And then that just evolves into all these different religions. And all of those things might be pointing to a single God. That's possible. Or they all might be pointing to a singular truth that's more related to physics and just the way things are. Or I don't know. Or a net of consciousness, which... I mean, even biblical explanations kind of agree with that. Like, if you're talking about saying. God, the Father, you know, that, that you could probably, that sounds like I would thing. hypothesize that you could probably, you know, you could probably, you could probably take the common um, big themes of all major religions. Oh, absolutely. And get them to agree. And just, oh, yeah. then, then just cut off all the doctrines about like, well, you have to stop work on sundown on Friday night and you can't start work again, you know, or you know, whatever the other ones are related to Arab religions or whatever. You, could, you cut out yeah. all that extra, very specific bits of doc doctrine. You it's take the basics, through all and of you, it could probably, the you could probably link them pretty closely together. Yeah. And then you could say, well, what does that point to? What's, what, what are all these guys doing? And, and you might get, you probably get some really great results out of that exercise of like, well, here's something we can all kind of agree on. Yeah. So... 
I mean, even, even in those grand idea things, and even when you get down to like things, even like around health and, and all that, they have like lower subject commonalities, like, right. which so, is just odd. But then, you know, I'm they, they take them to an extreme and it gets crazy and people want tribalism and they right. want to force other people and blah, blah, blah. So but, to answer your question, that's the way I see religion right now. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not for it. I spent 38 years or something like that dedicated to it. Like, I'm doing other things right now. Not so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to picture you in the foggy bubble in an easy chair, kind of like chilling, looking out like, yeah, there's some movement. As it's related to spirituality, that's not the way I'm running the rest of my life. But, no. th- but as it's related to spirituality, and I think, you know, you and I, when we were on that road trip, like, it probably hasn't changed much. Like, there's a stream... There's a stream rolling by me, bubbling and talking and moving and making its own way because of forces outside of itself. I'm just lying on a rock or a log next to that stream, listening to it. That's it. That's a good analogy. End of story. That's what I'm doing about spirituality and religion. And, and further than that, like, there's people who might be like, oh, well, he's in trouble then because, you know, he's not making disciples of all people or he's not following this truth about Allah or whatever like that's nice let them believe that I know that whatever if the God that I was taught to believe in is real I'm all set he's gonna you know he and I are square right regardless of whether or not I quit work exactly on sundown a couple minutes beforehand so that I'm not guarding the edges of Sabbath or not like I'm all set either way nothing in my life in the past or now is a big enough deal to a God that's as big as, as the religions put him out there that he's got a problem with me or it or it. So that's what I'm saying. So that's where I'm at. Spiritually speaking, I'm not scared. Um, I don't think I'm facing financial ruin. I don't think I'm, you know, facing a fiery hell. I'm not, I'm no longer nervous about me and God. I'm no longer nervous about doing the right thing. Um, spiritually speaking, I'm, I'm quietly laying on a log next to a bubbling sp- stream. So if we were oddly over this past week, I've had what you would call an existential crisis. Oh my goodness. What's going on? It's just uh, like if we were to inject me into your analogy and yep. you're like, laying next to the spiritual stream and listening yes like that's my plan i'm I'm hanging out with you and we're just kind of laying there next to it and you know all of a sudden i sit up and i'm like dude it's just a stream how would you can't learn it like me over the last week i've just a lot of the things i've been reading and thinking about like like i feel like the rug's been pulled out and they're actually absolutely is nothing and we are a pointless bacteria that will die a heat death in a few billion years and there's no meaning to anything why is that scary ask me next week and it'll change ask me the week before and it was well trent but yeah so have a good cup of coffee and enjoy the coffee that's worth living for have a great experience with your family it's that's worth living for thing is a child that finds out that they were either a mistake or adopted when they believed something else That's previous. Fine. I recommend Walmart aisle six. <laughs> and if you want me to hold your hand while you're lying without uh, a skeleton uh, on the floor of aisle six in Walmart, I'll be there for you. But 
things for me my, are much more gradual and slow than for you. Like this just kind of like creeped up on me. And yeah. now that I'm back with my family, I was gone for a week. Now that I'm back with my family, I can focus more on my immediate relative surrounding and not get lost in that. Yeah. But when I really think about it and when I run maybe, ideas by strong atheist, maybe opinions, when I'm on hard. my deathbed, I'll feel like I'm descending into an endless black hole of nothingness and that'll scare the hell out of me. But as for now, it's warm outside. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to enjoy the, the sun on my back and think, wow, that's an amazing thing. I have people to love and people who love me. And I'm looking forward to lunch since I didn't eat breakfast and that's living yeah yeah i i can get behind that but it's such a paradigm shift from where we came you know and i'm getting to an emotional point of that being a possibility that's very difficult yeah you probably should stay away from walmart or maybe you should go to walmart (laughs) one of the two Mm. all right last question oh boy uh talk to caleb eight years ago and give him some advice what would you tell yourself well, if at all possible, someone who's going to, you know, have the skeleton pulled out from inside them, um, it'd be like, you know, do it a bone at a time and then find another bone to go back in, <laughs> right. you know? So my suggestion to myself eight years ago would have been like, well, keep everything that's, that's really good, all those principles that are clearly common in all religions, common in good society, common, commonly held to be, that's a good practice keep those and then and then kind of take a giant breath and get rid of the stuff that you can't get behind anymore and see if you can do it gradually um i'm not sure that that work that would have worked for me but it would have been nice it would have been less painful if i could have figured out how to do that right but i didn't i think there are certain personalities that could be of the same self-honesty as you but still stay in adventism and just work to reform it and then there's other personalities that say, Good for I them. can't, I can't. I couldn't. You know, Yeah. I'm so adverse to begin with, with group association. It, I, I wonder if I'm using it as an excuse to be like, thank God I don't have to go to church anymore. You know, there's probably not a right way to do mm-hmm. any of this. As a matter of fact, there, there could very well be no right way in general, but what there is, is a way to live a life that's, that's uh, more rewarding and more passionate and that, you know, Mm. it's it's not that there's necessarily a right way. I'm just saying if you don't want to experience some human pain, see if you can do it more gradually than I did it. That's what I would say to myself eight years ago. Alrighty. Well, maybe it's time for some lunch and let's do it. We can go sit by the river or something. Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe a bubbling (laughs) stream. Well, uh, thank you for tuning in for the third episode of Knowing and Believing uh, and either watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Caleb, for sharing your uh, life experience, the most tumultuous uh, event in your life, losing faith and and everything else. I know for me, it's been the most, uh, even your experience has been one of the most effective things on my life and then to add in just that i'm going through essentially the same thing it's a it's a weird thing but hey here's the midlife crisis is right cheers (laughs) 